Hey everyone, I'm Jen Armstrong, and this is Cold Toast. On today's episode, we're talking about the elusiveness of happiness. Now, if you're familiar with the popular TED Talk by Martin Sligman called The Era of Positive Psychology, he talks about the three paths that one can live a happy life. The pleasant life, the good life, and the meaningful life. There's no one way. Apparently, you can follow more than one path. So, let's put it all in perspective, shall we? Scrolling through Instagram one day, I came across a post from one of the parenting accounts that I follow. And it said, how can I raise happy kids if I'm not showing them what it means to be a happy adult? Wow, this really piqued my interest. The topic of the post was, how do you stop putting your kids first and start doing what makes you happy? And it shared how one mother started prioritizing her needs before her family's needs. Turned out to be the greatest thing she ever did. She just became much more happier about life and realized that her kids weren't going to die if she didn't do something for herself for once. I empathize with this mom and with other parents who feel like they always put their kids' needs before their own. But in all honesty, I cannot relate to this approach. And I want to dig into the why I've never lived for my kids' happiness and prioritize them over my own happiness. Now to understand how I learned to prioritize my happiness, I'm going to take it way back to when I was a child. Growing up, I was the youngest of three, with an older brother and an older sister, who are eight and seven years older than me, respectively. I feel like by the time I was being raised, my siblings got the best of my parents. Not to say that I wasn't loved or nurtured by my mom and dad, because I was. It's just that because I was a bit younger, my childhood years were probably the beginning of the end of my parents' marriage. So growing up, I witnessed two individuals, my mother and my father, who loved their children very much, but who struggled to find their footing as a couple. My parents were the first people who showed me what prioritizing happiness looked like. My mom worked her tail off, pulling double shifts in a career that still today She is preparing to retire in soon. She loves her job. Loves her job. And her job loves her back. And it made her happy to go to work every day and know that she was supporting her family the best way she knew how. I definitely learned about work ethic and loyalty from my mom. But Her work oftentimes found her sacrificing being a mother at home with me. Luckily, I had my maternal grandparents there to help raise me. My dad also worked, and he worked hard. But he also played hard too. Personal happiness wasn't so elusive for my father because he seeked it whenever he wanted and however he pleased. He was and still is a loving dad. You know, one thing I always said I admire about him is being unapologetically himself and living life to the fullest. 
but his personal happiness oftentimes found him sacrificing being a father at home with me. Again, luckily, I had my maternal grandparents there for me. My grandparents. Man, if I could paint a picture of happiness personified, I would paint them. They're no longer alive, but growing up, you could see the sacrifices aged on the wrinkles of their faces. And man, did they live happy lives. No doubt they had worries. I mean, we all have worries. But their everyday lives were as happy as can be. Raising 11 children is no easy feat, not to mention the countless grandchildren that followed. So I feel by the time I got to grow up with them, they were just living their lives the best way they knew how. And they paid their dues, so why not? So as you can see, I had various examples of what personal happiness looks like and how it affects a family dynamic or one's mental health. We've all heard it before, right? Happiness is a state of mind or happiness is within. It's not something that someone can give you or that you find somewhere. Um, and, you know, keeping that in mind and going back to Sligman's TED Talk that I talked about earlier and, um, you know, positive psychology is sort of what he's known for. But he talks about those three paths to happiness and how you could be in, in more than one path. But I kind of wanted to go through those three paths really quickly. Uh, the first being the pleasant life, where the goal is to maximize pleasure or positive feelings. The second is the good life, where the goal is to reach a constant flow or state of active engagement where you, you know, enjoy what you do so much that you kind of lose track of time and become one with it. And the third path is the meaningful life, where you use your strengths in the service of others and strive to make your life useful for something much larger than yourself. Sligman says that regular people, most folks, kind of pursue a pleasant life where they associate happiness with positive feelings and emotions. But to be honest, I feel like that's the least chance of leading to an overall life happiness or life satisfaction. So if you think of it from a parenting perspective, right? Um, if you're just focusing on positive feelings and everyone being happy in the household, I feel most of the time that can lead to a lot of disappointment. Um, Cause you know, you know more than anyone else as a parent that chances are your kids will surely throw a lot of challenges your way that um, can definitely deflate those happy feelings instantaneously. So getting stuck in this, you know, quest for positive feelings or maximizing um, pleasure is not necessarily, you know, the best path. Um, and I feel like, you know, if you seek more of a, of a good or meaningful life filled with, you know, purpose and 
and service and engagement, then you have a much better chance of being truly happy and fulfilled. I know it's easier said than done, um, you know, because it's like, how do, how do you focus on a life of engagement and meaning as parents, right? Um, when you've got dishes in the sink and laundry piling up and just everyday things to get done and check off your list. Um, but I think what's helped me, you know, being a work from home mom is I sort of just stopped looking at, um, chores and tasks, um, as such, you know, I kind of devised ways to sort of enjoy it. Um, and for me, it's, you know, almost because of my goal oriented mind, um, I started thinking of, how privileged I am actually to have these things to do, um, to be able to, um, you know, raise children also is a privilege. I mean, to have an opportunity to shape a human, shape a life, uh, that's a completely different, different perspective of getting hung up on the hassles and um, trying to discipline your kids. So I think if you apply that perspective of um, having gratitude and privilege to be in a position of shaping a life or being in a position of making a home, you know, um, apply that perspective to parenting um, can definitely broaden your perspective on it and also deepen your level of engagement with your kids. So I think that, you know, I, I definitely try to follow the two paths of living a good life where I, I want to enjoy what I do as a parent and a wife so much that I'm just one with it, you know, and, um, but I also want to lead a meaningful life where I feel like, um, I'm contributing to a partnership as a wife, right? Um, I, I contribute financially, emotionally to my husband. Um, also, you know, we're, we're, we're a team in that sense. So I'm of service to him and we're striving to make, uh, life useful for each other and much more larger than ourselves. And, you know, that's taken a lot of practice. It's taken a lot of mindfulness. Um, and it's also taken a partner who understands, uh, that concept. And, um, my husband and I have been married now for 10 years. We'll make 11 years this March. Um, but we've been together going on 19 years. So it's, um, the years are practice. And I'd like to say that it hasn't always been, you know, smooth sailing, but generally speaking, we manage to work really well together as a team. And because of that, we have a pretty successful and happy marriage. Um, I think the operative word is team, right? Um, where 
you can love each other, but you also have to like each other. You have to trust each other. You have to be able to depend on each other and be loyal to each other. And you also have to be friends with each other. Uh, first and foremost, I think that's where Travis and I kind of agree that, you know, having the foundational bricks, which is our relationship, solid, having that solid will make the whole family and the whole household solid because that's where it all starts. So, you know, we've gotten really good at taking care of our children together, but we've also gotten really good at taking care of each other. And I'm not going to take it even farther than that. We've gotten really good at taking care of ourselves. And I think that's where where I can really honestly share that we, we've prioritized our personal happiness within ourselves as individuals by having individual goals, having individual careers, having individual passions, and pursuing those and supporting each other in pursuing those. So if you look at it from a, a macro level, uh, there's the individual happiness, right? And then you take it down to a micro level of the marriage. You have two happy individuals. You're going to have a happy marriage. You take it a step further, more micro, you'll, you have children that you have to raise. They see happiness in the adults that are raising them. They too will reflect that happiness. And you know, I know that happiness is relative. You know, everybody has their own definition of what makes them happy and all that. But um, I feel like having a happy story is not common enough. Um, I think that we almost as a society, you know, kind of downplay happiness. I feel like if there's no drama, if there's not issues at the forefront that we have to dive into, there's something, you know, sort of off there. But honestly, Travis and I, we, we're not always happy. I mean, we have our little, um, you know, arguments here and there. But at the end of the day, we compromise because we know what's at stake, right? We know that we've worked really hard to get to a point of happiness that we never have to second guess, well, are you happy or am I happy? Because we are making sure that we are supportive in each other's personal goals, first and foremost. And then that definitely inspires our relationship as a couple, which then inspires our relationships with our children. You know, growing up, I don't feel like I had that per se. I feel... I, I kind of reflected that, or it was reflected to me from my grandparents, but not necessarily from my parents. And that's no fault to them. I mean, they were, they didn't have what Travis and I have, where they kind of respected and supported each other's personal goals and happiness, where it was where they were able to bring it into their marriage and their relationship and respect and enjoy the happiness that exuded from them personally. 
You know, they they led separate lives. Family life and marriage, marriages, they're, they're journeys, you know. You have to do the small things often, right? It's the small efforts that can create bigger, big changes over time. And, and you have to learn to process everything, you know, communication. I think that's one of the key words um, for me and Travis is, is communication. And that's, I'm going to be honest with you guys, that is something as a, as a professional communicator now, it's not something that I've done well in the past. Um, I think I'm great at it in my job, but in a personal relationship, that was something I definitely had to learn. You know, I had to put aside a lot of pride and a lot of fear for sharing uh, my feelings and I had to put a lot aside a lot of pride, you know, um, and ego. And we had to accept that, you know, not every conflict is resolvable. You can't can't solve all our issues and, and but the goal is to solve the solvable ones and then create dialogue around the lasting issues, right? Again, that takes practice. And I think Another a way to kind of inject happiness into a family or into a marriage is that understanding must almost, it must precede advice, right? So we're not always trying to solve each other's problems. It's just sometimes empathy and understanding is always the first step to resolution. So even with my kids, you know, when they get upset or you know, they're crying and I feel like in my head, that's not really a cryable offense or anything like that. I, I have to take a step back and I have to say, okay, I appreciate that you feel that way or I understand how you could feel that way. Then I kind of go on to say, but mommy doesn't feel like that constitutes X, Y, and Z or whatever. You know, words have, have strength behind them. So going back to making sure that my kids see a happy adult, that's exactly why I prioritize my happiness, why me and Travis prioritize our happiness as a couple, because it only benefits your children. For us and our family dynamic, when they see us being affectionate, when they see us being respectful to each other, when they see us pursuing personal goals and celebrating those personal victories as individuals, they know that they then feel deserving of that. And when they become adults, they'll know that that's important to have self-respect, goals, personal victories, that that first and foremost is the key to then having a successful partnership, a successful relationship with someone else. And just as a mom too, uh, as a woman, I try to really practice, you know, meditation, exercise, find time, alone time when I can. Those are all self-care things that for me is very important because it makes me a functional, sane 
woman and adult and, and mom at the end of the day. So 100% do I value my happiness before my children. Again, judgment-free zone, guys. Uh, you could feel differently, but I'm saying that in our family dynamic, that has proven to be the key for us is to show our children what happiness looks like. We model that for them. And that's why it's important to prioritize it. So we've come to the end of the podcast and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, happiness is relative and whatever that means for you, you know, will determine how you want to achieve it. But I appreciate you letting me share how I achieve it. And I've always said, you know, I'm not a financially successful person. I don't have a lot of financial riches or material things that uh, show or mark success. I've always thought of success as happiness. And I truly believe at the ripe old age of 41, I've achieved that. And I feel like I have a successful life because of the happiness that I work so hard to attain. I hope you've subscribed to the Cold Toast podcast. We've got some amazing guests lined up for future uh, guest podcasts. And of course, some more intriguing topics about being a woman in the 21st century. Um, So if you haven't already, please subscribe. Thanks for listening.